So welcome to the second episode of the Sidekick PR podcast. Um, we had some feedback since the last one, which was importantly, we did not introduce ourselves. So we're going to start today by introducing ourselves. So I'm Charlotte, I'm the noisy one and apparently the sweary one. I accidentally did swear on the last podcast. I am sorry mum if you were listening. I'm not normally potty mouthed but Connor our producer has brought this time his bleeper so if I do happen to say he will bleep it out. And I'm Eve, I never swear, ever. And I'm Kirsty and I sometimes swear. In other news since the last podcast we now have a name for this one. Although Charlotte's looking at me as if we don't. (laughs) I thought we agreed on that. <laughs> I forgot. We did agree on the name. Come on, Charlie, keep up. <laughs> Sorry, we agreed on the name. And the name is? Drumroll. <laughs> P-R Oddity. We think that sums us up nicely. Yes, because it's a podcast about PR and we are all a little odd. <laughs> Welcome. Yes. <laughs> We've also, um, since the last podcast, been shortlisted for an award. Woo! So we are finalists in the Women's Business Awards, which is really important to us because we are all women in business and we've all worked in what has been sometimes male-dominated sectors and so being women in business is really important to us and we were really excited when we saw the awards and it's even more fantastic to be in the finals. So we'll be heading to London in December for the ceremony. Yeah, and it's for Best New Business as well. Yeah, which is wonderful. Yes, we deserve a round of applause. So, any other news since the last podcast? Anybody been up to anything exciting? I've been on an exciting CFPR training course um, about campaigns um, and the psychology of campaigns. And I was very interested to learn that, um, without knowing it, I'm an applied psychologist. (laughs) So that's exciting. We all are. No, we all are. We all work in PR and we're all applied psychologists because we're all trying to influence behaviour by the work that we do. So, um, yes, that was that was a really well-spent day and a good contribution to my CPD. So Charlotte will be pleased. I was very pleased, apart from the fact that now Eve's now finished her CPD, so I can't gloat in the office and be the only one that's finished the CPD. So really, while I'm pleased for Eve, I'm not pleased for me because I can't walk around saying, have you finished your CPD? Um, we can just say it to Kirsty now. Yes, <laughs> I'm miles behind. But I, did, I have been on a course about neuro-linguistic programming. Scary. Mm. Check you. It's, it's about um, the language you use and basically getting what you want out of life um, through the language you use and oh, behaviours. Right. And right. it's it's quite quite deep. Quite deep. Yeah, it felt like a day long counselling session in times, <laughs> but it was it was good. I spoke I to a woman that did that years ago, and she said that it hugely changed her outlook on life and made her the businesswoman that she became and she sold her business for millions and millions of pounds so good luck I hope that will have that same impact to you I'll let you know if I get an offer <laughs> I'll yeah, look forward to you making us our millions <laughs> if you want to buy sidekick tweet or that I haven't been on any exciting courses but I'm about to start one on um photography for social media I did do photography as part of my university course and I thought I was okay at taking photos until one of our lovely clients absolutely ridiculed the photographs that I took and it will be made into their Christmas card so I just saw this course and it's run in conjunction with Red Magazine and Falmouth University it's an online social media photography course and I'll start it next week and I'm just hoping that it just makes me take better pictures when we're doing things like that and think about things a little bit more 
Sounds good. It's all about the images. All about the images. I learned that on my campaign psychology course. Did you? How the mind well, maybe works we, and maybe visuals. Maybe we need to talk about the things that we've learned and put them together. <laughs> I think we do. Communicate. Yeah, <laughs> communicate. The other feedback that we had was that we needed to shake things up a little bit more, I think, and talk about a few more different topics rather than just focus on one topic. So yeah. we've been much more exciting this time. <laughs> Yes, we will. <laughs> but it's great. Keep the feedback coming because that's what we want. We want to get each podcast better and keep it sharp, keep it entertaining. Yep, it will keep evolving. Um, so today we were going to talk about influencers, bloggers and influencers. Um, so this is an area of our work that I think has increased massively over the last year, year or two. Yeah, definitely. Um, whereas something that might have been a bit of an afterthought not so long ago now for a lot of clients it's a starting point isn't it it's um up there alongside the kind of more traditional yeah. routes we would take um so we'll just have a chat about influences and then i think we've got some thoughts as well about how how pr agencies and brands can work better with influencers and also how influencers can work with prs maybe a bit more efficiently as well um so where to start well, I suppose there's all the different terms, isn't there? There's influencers, there's bloggers, there's micro-bloggers. What do we mean by them all? What's what's the difference? What What's the difference between a blogger and a micro-blogger? Micro-influencer. Micro-influencer, there you go. A micro-influencer is somebody, according to Google, that has more than 1,000 followers but less than 30,000. Is that across any platform? So if you had more than a thousand followers on Twitter, you are a micro influencer. I think so, but I think it's heavily dependent as well on the audience group. So if you are very niche in what you blog about or you post about, um, then the audience size is going to be smaller yeah, than if yeah. it's more generic. But you'll still have a lot of influence because it's yeah. so. For example, a, a gardening influencer with. I don't know, 30,000 followers would be more valuable to somebody trying to sell a garden spade <laughs> than um, a flower. I don't know, something a bit more niche. I'm just wondering whether I'm a micro-influencer or I want I to be a micro-influencer. I think you are a micro-influencer. <laughs> yeah. I can be a micro-influencer. I've got a new title. <laughs> so you've got, you've always had influences in terms of celebrities. Yeah. Um, so, for example, like Kate Middleton, if she wears a certain kind of dress, that sells out yeah. in an hour which I'm ridiculous, but that's always been there. It's all about I'm Megan now, isn't it? It's all yeah, about Megan is. anyway. Sorry, Kate. <laughs> um, and then also under the kind of the influencers banner, you've got the thought leaders. So yeah. that's what a big part of PR has been before, trying yeah. to build clients' reputations and position them as influencers in their industries. Um, and then along came bloggers and content creators. Um, so as bloggers and content creators used social media to grow their own following, then along came influencers, if you like, who have got these social media followings but might not necessarily have a blog where they're writing copy. They can just post something. Pretty pictures on Instagram. Yes. Yeah. And then that has a lot of, depending on their following, a lot of value to brands Can you imagine organizations. three or four years ago saying to a client, or we'd like to hold a bloggers event, or we'd like oh, no, to hold it. Not a... at all. 
They'd have just laughed. And, but I think that's been... Um, no, they? not at all. But I still wonder if they still... I think they're starting to, but it's yeah. still a really massive education process with them. Because if you said to them, oh, we've got um, the Guardian journalist coming down on Saturday or whatever, um, or a local paper, whatever, yeah. I think their attitude would be very different, kind of mentally, as to how it would be if we said, oh, we've got this blogger coming down. There still a, needs to be a bit of a shift, doesn't there, in the kind of mindset. Yeah. A good example of it recently has been when we worked with a client on an event and a big part of that was with bloggers. Um, and if we did, say, got a journalist along from the local paper, I think there would have been more of a um, ceremony around it almost. It's, it's kind of got more kudos as a journalist here from the paper. But actually, in reality, the YouTuber that came along had double the followers that the regional paper's circulation was. So you've got to look at where the value lies and yeah. and kind of be brave sometimes and step away from it and think a YouTube video might actually have more more value to us than working with not for every traditional newspaper. For that particular um, piece of work, we felt the blogger was the right audience group, but there could be something else where it is the regional media. It's about using all these parts strategically, as you've said, part of the mix and kind of looking at where the audiences are and what messages work best and the way to deliver those messages isn't always going to be the same. No. And so it's given kind of a new opportunity. It's quite exciting. Yeah. It's a fresh way of of getting messages out to different people, which is essentially what our jobs should have really all about. And I think for some clients it's it is a way of looking at it differently, but it's also understanding that for some it might be a real local offering that they've got and they've traditionally gone to the local paper to get that story out there, but there might be some local micro-influencers out there who, again, have got a wider, wider reach. It's, it's reaching the right audience. They know that it's reaching the people that they want to reach. But it's also having the understanding there, I think, to question the figures because I had a conversation with a client this week we don't do their social media. They've got somebody in doing their social media. And the client, thankfully, had got enough about them that when they were shown these figures, look how much we've grown your social media following, they'd got enough to actually look and say, but half of these people are in the Philippines and um, elsewhere that are nowhere near the local town. We're a local town offering and we're trying to attract people to come, come to from our the venue. area, not from the Philippines. And so we, what you're showing me is actually nonsense because I think that's what puts a lot of people off is that understanding of, oh, great, they've got all this following, but is it relevant? And are they, without, I'm not wanting to go down the whole that debate today, but is it fake followers? What's the relevance? And I think you need people with that understanding to be able to do that background research and, again, to make it a strategic decision, not just going out using anybody. I think we do need to go down that avenue. Do we? <laughs> I do think we need to go down that avenue. I think... Fake followers! <laughs> not necessarily just fake followers. I think... Because um, we, we work with a lot of hotels, don't we? Yeah. And um, I know, personally, I get a lot of emails from influencers wanting to come and stay at the hotels yeah. and this is a bit of a this is definitely an area of um debate we'll say contention yes because understandably if you think about it a, a hotel has overheads to pay it's got staff to pay it's got food to buy it's got also all of the normal hotel overheads so the value has to be quite big to justify a free overnight stay yeah because they don't, people don't just want a free overnight stay, do they? No. They want they an don't. evening meal, they want a breakfast, they want the whole works. Yes, the shebang. Yeah. They want the whole shebang. Um, so justifying that to a client is, 
you have to have the evidence to back it up as to why it's why it is worthy of them doing it. A big mistake that a lot of the um, influencers and bloggers that have contacted me in the past have made is just a it's blatantly a blank e- you know what I'm trying to say a not blank email. Yeah. Yeah. There's been no research put into yeah. that yes. and say it's explaining why yeah. it's they want to particularly come to your hotel and what they're going to exactly. do with it. It's a template that's been sent to numerous places and there might be a specific date in there. So I'm coming to visit at the end of the month on bank holiday weekend <laughs> with my husband for a romantic weekend. If we could have it for free, that would be fantastic. Can we also bring our 12 children and the next door neighbour? Yes. Oh, and will they... you pay me? <laughs> yes, we'll have had that before as well. Yeah. But if, if the value is there and if they can show evidence and I'm not talking about we've got 10,000 followers because like you say you can buy mm. 10,000 followers for about 40 quid probably um would that take me from a micro influencer to a proper influencer <laughs> 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 um but it, what what I've talked to clients about before in training sessions on this is it's the it's the engagement and I know we ha- we harp on about that all yeah. the time but you can have all the followers you want in the world but if the if this influencer's followers aren't engaging with them, aren't commenting on their posts, aren't liking them and sharing them and talking. What is the point? You wouldn't invite a journalist along that's just going to write a newspaper article and then put the newspaper in a cupboard. No. Would you? No, that'd be very silly. It'd be very silly indeed. It would be. So they are my thoughts on it. But this de- this I sound really negative on that. I don't mean to be. I, no, we've had some great experience. I, th- I think when I look back at the various things that I've done with bloggers and influencers we've had some really good experiences we've also had some quite steep learning curves so when I think about it and it's probably because I harbour grudges and I'm not (laughs) very careful I'm not going to swear but I think of a particular experience when we were working um, in the travel industry where there was a trip and bloggers got taken on a trip and one of the bloggers didn't write anything about it and it still makes me cross to this day and this was a couple of years ago but Maybe we didn't have the proper procedures in place to make sure that they did that and we've learned from that. But then people think they can still come back to you as a result of that. Oh, can I do this? Can I? Well, no, because you haven't delivered something that you said you'd deliver. And that's really annoying because from our point of view as well with the clients, if you've convinced them or you've spoken to them and because it's a new area for them and you've said, actually, this is good for you. Don't get me wrong, the other journalists that went on that trip did it, the other bloggers that went on that trip did an absolutely fantastic job. But the fact that somebody felt that they could go and do that and then not deliver anything as a result of it is really annoying. And I suppose that is the difference. You know, there are some quite important differences between, as a PR professional, dealing with um, bloggers, say, to more traditional journalists. And I suppose that's the kind of the, they're just individuals, aren't they, with no kind of... Um, well, from our point of view, they're the well, same. They're exactly the same. They? They but in terms same, of if nothing not happens, the... they haven't got the background behind them. Like at the end of the day, if a journalist went on that trip and didn't write anything about you, I'd be complaining to the boss. Or I'd be, doing, you know, yes. there's a st- yeah. where with a, an influence, very much taken on kind of what they tell you. And there is a bit that it is slightly more risky, isn't it? Yeah. In that sense, that you like you say, you're t- saying to a client, we really recommend yeah. this, and, and you're so putting that on your. Put, and the clients putting money into yeah. something like that. And but then is it is it up to the PR industry then to to drive that because they are now our one of our main channels. Yeah. So I think when I sat down earlier this week to note down some um, points for maybe working with influencers and how you know it can be more beneficial on both sides of it, and I think a lot of it does fall on the PR agency's side. So 
working more proactively rather than just reacting to incoming things. So pushing influencers for that data. So yes, you've great your media pack says you've got ten thousand followers, but actually, you know, you say you've worked with Disneyland before, but actually what what did you generate for Disneyland? What engagement did your posts drive and where was the spike in business after that for yeah. for Disneyland? Um also I think there needs to be an understanding there that for the right influencers and bloggers you do have to pay sometimes yeah. and that needs to be built into your budget and yeah. still there is a kind of a perception that oh because it is just somebody who maybe does it part-time alongside a full-time job that, that it's not a value but, but that's awful and I'm really against that I think I completely agree that it's somebody's job they're giving the time to do it and they should be paid but I also strongly feel on the flip side that they need to be showing that it's paid for work which I don't think people do enough I think people take the money do the great work that they do but don't always show that it's advertising spend or they don't consider it advertising spend but actually if they're being paid to do it then that's what it is and I think they need to be a lot clearer on that yeah we've also I think Again, because I've not want to sound like a negative Nancy, we, we've had some really good experiences. We've worked with some really good bloggers. And I can remember doing a, a beauty event for bloggers and it was absolutely fantastic. Working with a big name brand, getting them all down there, trying out products. It was great to meet them all. They were all so professional. They did exactly what they'd said they'd do and more. Um, they were fantastic with their images, not like mine. But they, they, they were great. They, they really showcased the event. They showcased the products. Um, I'm thinking back now, I don't know whether it, they didn't actually get paid for doing that though, so they, it wasn't anything where it needed to be put as though it was advertising because it wasn't, they didn't get paid for it, they just came along and did it. Yes, it's a fine line that one. Because yeah. if you're getting, they now have to clearly say like hashtag spawn or hashtag ad uh, yeah. if they're given products or yeah. Yeah. To be very invited clear. along. I don't know where the line actually... Well, that, well, in that case, they weren't paid anything and they weren't given products. It was just, we're hosting this event, we'd like you to come, and they came and covered it. But I'm thinking of other ones where people should be putting hashtag ad. Yes. And it's really important, I think, as an industry, we need to be pushing that. Yeah, there's still quite a lot of ambiguity, isn't mm. there, in all this, really? Even as far as people recognising this work as a job. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people would think it is a job it is someone's job it's somebody's job yeah. but then you know you could have said that about PR people at some point yeah. or whatever industry you're in it's time is moving on and time is evolving and this is now the way of the world and yeah. um and there's some really really good micro-influencers out there um who are fantastic to work with they they get it they get what our requirements are they get what the client requirements are um and they do deliver fantastic results but I think it's making more of those relationships and building on those. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people out there when I've done um looking when I've done the research and I'm looking for particular influences in a, in an area, you can contact lots of them and you don't even get replies. Yeah. So I think people get to a certain level and they either just don't feel like they need to have to bother with other people, other agencies that they don't know and that they've got enough work, but they you, you don't even get replies from them. So it's an it's an interesting it is. I think it's it's not going anywhere, it's just growing and growing, isn't it? And if you use it in the right way, it's very powerful. Yeah. Um but it's about doing your research. It's yeah. about doing your research, really being strategic. Research. And I think from influencers' point of view, it's just about being professional. 
and if you're working with brands and you're being paid for that or giving products then you need to be producing the follow-up report you know that kind of thing um but i i, I don't see how it can continue much longer without some kind of not a regulation yeah, yeah, come in yeah. um it was interesting for a client recently we had a um we had to draft a statement didn't we and that had come from a blogger so for a blogger holding a company to account and that was a one of the first times yeah. that had happened to us. Yeah, it happened that before. Um, so, yeah, it's changing. It's changing fast, but... Um, it's exciting. It's very exciting. It's really it exciting. Is. There's more opportunities out there to be getting the messages across and to be getting products and brands out there. And it's just forming those... Forming the right relationships. So it feels like going back to where we were with the media when you first started out is finding the right, right and relevant ones and building those relationships with people because... I know we'll probably say it every single time, but relationships are the big, biggest part for me of our industry, the strongest part of what we do. Yeah. And we've got some good relationships with good influencers. Mm -hmm. We deserve a round of applause. I feel like we've been negative. Yeah, we, we don't mean to be negative. <laughs> we love you all. <laughs> it's getting better as well. It is getting better. I think people are understanding it more. Clients are understanding it more. We've worked our way around some of the problems that we've had. Um, and we're clearer now when we talk to micro-influencers, bloggers, influencers, whatever they may be, as to what our expectations are and what, what we need from them. And we'll put this down on paper and we'll, we'll um, or virtual paper, <laughs> and share... What's virtual paper? <laughs> A website, I think they call okay. it nowadays. <laughs> virtual paper <laughs> we'll do a blog we'll do an influential blog about this okay. and then share it on our website so look out for that shall we take a short break yes and come back let's go and have a coffee or a gin <laughs> okay so we're back we've had our coffee and our gin um we've all talked at the same time all i didn't have time. gin mum <laughs> um, we've talked influencers and bloggers and how that's um changed what we do so now we're going to take a look at the media and how that has changed I think for me it's changed massively and I know I am ancient but it has changed hugely over the years when I first started out in PR we would hold a if we were holding a regional event you'd get both tv stations there both tv news you'd get commercial and bbc radio journalists from the local paper, photographers, the whole kit and caboodle. You wouldn't do anything without having kind of eight or nine different people there along with you. And there just aren't the people there anymore to do that. Sadly, the um, staffing teams on all areas have been cut that much that you get one reporter to cover a massive area now. And if you're doing something on a weekend, you've absolutely no chance. And it's now the requests and expectations of can you provide us with a decent photograph can you provide us with some video to go with that can can you obviously the copy thing you've always provided but um it's less and less common to get asked to interview somebody rather can you just provide us with this which is not a huge problem we've learned to work with that but I just think it has changed hugely you two are much younger so you might not have noticed that no I definitely have yeah, from sending out faxes and all sorts. Yeah, I, did, I was still I there to, in that day. Were you there in that I day? I used to stand with over the fax machine. and <laughs> What's a fax machine? <laughs> oh, boom. <laughs> and I used to, when I did some sports reporting for the local paper, used to ring your copy through. So you'd ring up and tell somebody word for word your report and they'd type it down for you. Wow. <laughs> Kirsty's face is a picture. You can't see faces on podcasts, but Kirsty's face is a picture. 
No, I think I think even in the um, how long have I been working in PR? Probably around ten years. Um, it has changed massively. I think, as we said earlier, it's social media and influencers and bloggers that have just taken over. I think that's a huge part of our jobs now, and I you couldn't have imagined that just ten years ago. Yeah. One thing I've noticed a lot of is a lot of journalists becoming PR people. Yes. So many more, and I often see, oh, you know whether it be local papers or whatever, or even sometimes quite high up national, well-known journalists who are getting jobs on the on the other side. It'd be very side. interesting. Yeah, on the dark yeah. side. Very interesting. But they must see it as the way forward or, yeah. you know, it's another opportunity. But um, I wonder, it'd be so interesting to speak to people that have done that and, and see if they'd be any different to PR people once they know what it's like working in the industry. Yeah. Um, it would be very interesting to have those conversations because they do get bombarded as like, staff numbers are being cut and things and the number of PR people is probably going up and up yeah. um, the phone just rings off the hook doesn't it from people like us phoning up and trying to pitch in stories and things so that's why what we do has to be Hard beep. <laughs> you can't through. beep after the swear word. That's not how the bleep works. Producer Connor, you need to be on that more. Bleep. <laughs> to get to get through the yeah. noise, if you like. Um, but if journalists aren't being able to leave the newsroom, if they, um, you know, are just tied to their desks more and more, then we are of higher and higher value. Surely you think because we are getting gathering the content else. for yeah. them. Although my course last week, the guy was saying how the PR industry has put a real over-reliance on the mass media over yeah. recent years, and now that's starting to bite now, but that's because they weren't, perhaps as PR practitioners, we do need to look a bit more closely at kind of what habits almost we've got into. Um, and are we, you know, when you start on campaigns, are you look, doing the research properly at the beginning about your audience groups and how you're going to reach them? Or have you just automatically gone media, 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 media? Yeah. But is that actually delivering the results that you want? And I think it's starting to bite now because there's less opportunities in the mass media because of the reasons yeah. we've just spoken about. There's less people, there's less outlets, um, the competition's gone up for space, et cetera, et cetera. And that, but then there's an expectation with clients who just want that media coverage. So there's a real kind of learning process yeah. that needs to, take place again across the whole industry and with clients who are employing agencies or PR people in-house. Yeah, I remember I had a massive learning curve with that a few years ago. I was working with an arts organisation and it was a very local community and we did all this work and got some fantastic coverage for them. And I went to the next meeting, proud as punch, and got you there. oh, I've not seen that, and I've got you this, oh, I've not seen that. And I was saying, well, what do you mean you've not seen it? Well, we don't read that paper, and we don't read that paper, and we don't read that paper, and, oh, no, I never listened to that radio, and I'm sat there thinking, I've spent all this time doing all of this. And I said, well, what what, what, what do you read? Which probably should have been the first question that I'd asked. But I'm going back quite a few years. And they read the free sheet that got pushed through the door. And that was it. That was where they got the news from. They weren't They weren't bothered. They weren't bothered. And so it could have been a totally different approach to. Yeah. But this is why we we need to, and we do start everything we do with where is the audience, where are yeah. they getting their information yeah. from? Yeah. Because you can put, like you say, so much effort into getting something mm. in a certain newspaper or a certain yeah. magazine, and if um, 
if the if the client's audience isn't reading that magazine, there's absolutely no point. No. One thing I have noticed more and more of, uh, journalists t- turning to Twitter to have a go at the PR industry. Um, and I've bitten my tongue quite a lot because I've wanted to jump in and probably haven't done. And uh, there's been some quite interesting ones. And there's some that are fair enough when you see people tweeting that they're sick of getting phone calls saying, have you got that press release that I sent you two weeks ago? Or I'm just what sending you this yeah. email so I can float, float it to the top, to the top of top your inbox. One of the BBC like, journalists did yeah. And I thought, to be honest, that is crazy. Yeah, honesty. there's some awful things. So maybe as an industry, we're not helping ourselves there. I, mean, I have to say I've never used that in, a, in an email. <laughs> and I have thankfully never phoned somebody who said, got my press release. Um, <laughs> if they got it, they'll either use it or they you lost missed something out of it they'll ring you up and find out um but they i think a lot of courses still do teach that and say that you need to be doing that and it just must be so frustrating but then there are things that i see journalists tweet about and i think that's they're unfair criticisms of an industry when you're just trying to do your job and there are some journalists i think that still are very against uh, pr agencies and the pr industry because they see the industry and the people that work in it as blockers like a to barrier the and a barrier for them getting what they want to get sorry Connor's <laughs> Connor's giving me an evil eye because I just clicked my pen <laughs> sorry because <laughs> she's clicking a pen when I'm making a very valid important point <laughs> about journalists tweeting about I just think that Twitter's an easy channel to start having a go at people at and you'll get a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon and um, sometimes I do see things and I think it's a bit unfair and a bit unnecessary. The power, but they love the power. I know. And they love people going, oh yeah, bloody PR people. Well, Kirsty's the trained journalist who's coming to the uh, out of us, isn't she? So, yeah. Why did you jump shit? What have you got to say? Well, I didn't actually work as a journalist, did I? <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did quite a lot of work experience and decided it wasn't for me. I like in PR that you put a positive spin on everything i hate that word i hate that word sorry love but it's what we do I hate that word. <laughs> have a fight <laughs> i don't put a spin on anything i was not, not cut out for doing death knocks and you well. give out the facts charlotte give don't the you facts. Give the out the facts. Facts. Yeah, it is all spinner. about the facts it is about the facts i hate that you word give out the facts. it drives me mad if a client ever says can you put us like oh it makes me so annoyed <laughs> I like that you put out positive facts. Positive, <laughs> positive stories, no spin. No. Where do you stand on spin? Are you a spinner? No, I'm not a spinner. Yeah. You know me. You've not You're a spin. Polish spin anything. <laughs> <laughs> Say it as it is. Good. <laughs> okay. Is that the end of our podcast? I think that was the end of the podcast. Well, that's the end of the podcast. We're going to have next time a visitor. We hope, Ooh, to. We, hope, we hope to. to. We're going to have a guest, a guest of honour at the podcast. Yes. PR oddity and the guest. guest. <laughs> yes. Do we need it a theme tune? We should have a tune. I like black beauties. <laughs> what? <laughs> you have to steal someone else's theme <laughs> tune. That's really good, isn't it? It's oh, like a PR really oddity emotive, song, isn't it? <laughs> On that note, that Goodbye. is the end of PR oddity episode <laughs> two. two. We'll be back very soon. Cheerio. Bye. Bye.